Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA and enjoy the message. Acts 17, verse 26 to 31, I'll read it. And he, he's talking about God, and he has made from one blood. Everybody say one blood. Every nation, say every nation. Say it again, say one blood, every nation. Say it one more time, say one blood, every nation. He is made from one blood, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Everybody, all of us, come from God. We come from the same God, the same Father. Therefore, since we are, we are, somebody say, we are. are. Look at your neighbor and say, we are are. the the offspring of God. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm God's child. Okay, we might have came out looking a little different, little different complexion, but we all come from God. It's just a piece of God. When we start pushing down or 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 discrediting what God creating, you are touching something that is sacred because God determined that. So therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance, these times of ignorance, say it again, these times of ignorance in 2019, God overlooked, but now commands all men, everybody, everywhere to repent, to turn to God, to turn and change. That's what repent means. It means everybody, everywhere, turn to God and let him change you. I'm going to say it again. Everybody, everywhere, turn to God and let him change you. Repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, capital M. It's talking about Jesus, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. We're going to talk. Whenever you talk about God and people, you you have to talk about eternity and sin and grace too. If we're ever going to talk about God and people... The depravity of man is we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. When you talk about God and you talk about man, sin becomes a part of the conversation, whether we want to have it or not. And I'm here to tell you, in Christ, grace then becomes a part of the conversation. So as we jump into these questions, this is the basis. Yeah, we just want to, I, I want to challenge you as we get ready to talk about some of this stuff and, and answer some of these questions. Some, sometimes we can sit in these conversations and think, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not racist. I'm not, um, I don't harbor any negative thoughts to anybody or any one group of people. And the moment we position ourselves like that in a place where we don't think we can learn anything, um, one, it's pride. And we know what happens when there's pride in, in, in the mix. Um, pride comes before the fall. And two, um, you will never grow. You will never grow if you're not able to listen and examine yourself. 
So I want to challenge you today as we ask these and answer these questions. Don't think that you're exempt from this conversation because you don't think you have any um, prejudices or, or issues with yourself. Like we said last week, everybody's a little judgy. Everybody has a little judgy in Somebody them. Somebody say amen out there. And we all got to lay that down on the altar yes. when we're looking at people and we're looking at people who are God's creation. So I want to challenge you today as we get ready to talk about this stuff. Don't pull yourself out of the equation. Imagine yourself in the middle of this. Put yourself in the middle of this conversation and see what God has to say about what's going on in your heart. Amen? It's hard. It's not easy. Nobody wants to think of yourself as flawed, right? <laughs> We're all perfect. Okay. All right. So that was just a little preface. Just um, listen today. And if there are questions that arise as a result of some of these um, questions that we're going to answer, um, please follow up with us. Talk to us. DM us. Call us. Email us. Um, we're available to you to delve a little deeper because we can only talk about so much in this setting. But if there are more questions, please let us know. And yeah, this first question here I wanted to jump in is um, I, I intentionally asked some young people for some questions because um, I want to hear what young people have to say. Um, so the first question is... So the is. first question is... Uh, and they should have it up here. Uh, but based on the belief that racism is socially constructed, how can today's youth help diminish racial tensions? I'm going to say it again. This was asked by um, a young person in our church. Um, based on the belief that racism is socially constructed, how can today's youth help diminish racial tensions? Crystal, yeah. Oh. All right, then. Um how can today's youth help diminish racial tensions? Um, change only happens um, when you're willing to change. There is no, there's no way, like especially when there's, there's social constructs set up, um, there's no way that anything is gonna change unless people change. And while it may be, um, how can today's youth help diminish those tensions? You have to do something different than what's always been done. If you've seen things in, in your community, in your um, family, uh, in your relationships, and it's just always been like that, this is just how we think, this is how we view the world, this is how we um, uh, just view life, you will be comfortable, you will be, you will be like that, and you will be part of the problem. And it's so important that um, you recognize who you are and recognize um, that God placed us here not to just live these comfortable, cushy lives, that it's gonna get uncomfortable sometimes when there are things that are set up in society, whether it's to benefit or um, to hurt people, um, and you have the ability to be part of change, then you have a responsibility to be part of change. What's a practical example of that? Um, let's just say, I mean, I can talk about myself and my family in a black, growing up in a black family. Um, there are just certain ways you view the world. You're taught certain things from when you're young um, about when people say things to you, how you respond, 
or when you're in certain environments, how you respond. Um, and a lot of times when going into different environments, um, you're taught to approach certain people different ways, depending on um, where you are, who you're with, um, even sometimes in the way you speak or communicate, it might be a little different um, in certain environments. And um, it, it, becomes, it becomes expected of you. Like I've been in environments where people expect me to be the typical black person. And when I say typical black person, it's like the black people you see on TV and movies and they expect you to act like that. <laughs> it's just like, why would you think that I would act like this is a movie? This is not real life, but you think I'm kidding, but this is actual, these are actual expectations. Like if, if you start to get upset or express yourself in a certain way, they expect you to have certain hand gestures or neck movements or communicate a certain way. And I'm not even, like it's comical, but I have been in literal situations where that has been the expectation. And it's just like, you know what? Black people are not all cookie cutter. We do not all act the same way. We do not all talk the same way. We're not all from the same place. And yeah, there's a connection there because of skin tone, but it's not like you can blanket one people group one way. And it's surprising how much of the world thinks that. So if I go into an environment and that's the expectation, <clears throat> I don't have to play into that. I don't have to. I'm like, I'm gonna be me. You're either gonna like me or not like me, but it's not gonna be because of the way you think I'm supposed to be acting. I'm gonna act the way I know is right to act, regardless of what environment I'm in. And you're gonna accept me because of that or not, but that's your problem. And you have to be able to be different. Be different and be okay with being different. People are gonna say things. When we, I share this, and I don't share this often, but we lived, um, my family and I lived in Alabama for um, a few years. And I don't know if any originally of you have been, from. originally from Toronto, uh, very metropolitan, cultural, culturally mixed city. And we moved to a very small city in Alabama. And um, that was probably one of the hardest, <laughs> One of the hardest moves I think we have ever made because culturally, it was like night and day. And one of the things that we found really challenging was that um, um, just one of the things was the way we spoke. My sister and I didn't sound like we were from the South. We didn't sound like we were from there. So we would always get teased, like, why do you sound like a white girl? Why do you sound so white? And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> How can I sound white? I am speaking the way I've been taught to speak. Like, what is going on here? And those little things, and that is from the black community. That is not even from white people. That is just the black community. And it's very real. Like, this is not, um, it is very real. And you sit there and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm not just gonna up and just talk with a Southern accent, so it's just gonna have to work. <laughs> you just have to endure. Like I, in that, I remember in that moment, I decided, you know what? I am not going to conform. I made a decision. I am not gonna conform. And I did, I completed high school there. I did a year of college there and it was the same all through high school, all through um, college. And it was just like, you know what? 
it is what it is. People are just going to be people, but um, I will be different. You will know me because I am different. And I had to make that decision. So young people, speaking to young people, you don't have to conform just because of the family you come from, just because of the community you come from. You need to be different. You need to show people it doesn't always have to be like this. This is not the only way. I can be different and I can show them that we don't have to repeat the patterns that have been in our past. We don't have to repeat um, the um, challenges that have been in our past. We can break the mold. We can break the pattern and we can make it different for generations to come. But the only way that happens is when you change. You either change or you don't. And if you don't, then you're okay with how things are or you choose to change. And change is never easy. It's never easy. That's good. And so um, really our our first point here just in talking about this is break the pattern. Um, You don't have to, um, you know, God, you know, when we were looking at this and just um, studying and praying together, my wife said, yeah, nothing changes if nobody changes. And so one of the things I would say just on the kind of on the flip side of this before we go into the next question is I think the most helpful thing for anybody to change is put yourself in an environment where you are the minority. Some of y'all looking at me like that's every day, Pastor John. <laughs> so, so maybe I'm talking to some white people in here. Come on. Some, I, I'm for real. The one, I think one, on a cultural level, when I look back on my life, on, and this is just my personal story, one of the things that helped me out the most was I came up as a young adult in a predominantly black church. And um, I was loved and accepted and received and one of the few white boys at the barbecue. Um, but it did something to me. It, I mean, I married a black woman. Come on, somebody. But no, but I, what I mean is it, it's just, it will, it will help you. It's something about that environment that you don't have to try to 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 learn you you just just jump right in and whatever that means for you I believe and we talked about this last week is we need to intentionally put ourselves in environments where it is different if you think about the call of God and everybody in scripture Moses born a Hebrew raised Bible says under the wisdom of the Egyptians went out hung out in in the wilderness came back and he had to deal with just cultural norms. The apostle Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day um, in regards to the law, like blameless, called to Gentiles. God, you know, so you we, we have to scripture. break. What's yeah, that? Go through scripture. Yeah, there's Esther. There's Esther, David. There's um, Daniel. Daniel. Joseph. Like, Joseph, a Hebrew man, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. Uh, and, and came up in Egypt and became a second in command to the ruling power, a Hebrew man in a pagan world. And so think about Jesus, the son of God, who came, came to heaven. earth. Talk about a minority. <laughs> he was the only God man walking around. So Jesus knows what it feels like to be different. And so, um, and that's one of the things about Jesus that's so powerful because he is 100% God. But his mama was a human being. And so he knows what it feels like to be human. And so break the pattern. Look at your neighbor and say, break the pattern. Okay, here we go. So hopefully that helped there. But here we go. Here's the next question. 
Um, this was um, submitted to us, I believe, by young adults as well. We've got a bunch of young folk questions in here. What do you think about interracial marriage from God's view? Is it against the word of God? What if you're in an interracial, interracial rela relationship, but your family is racist? I'm going to say it again. What do you think about interracial marriage from God's view? I hope that God's okay with that. Because um, if not, I'm in sin. You know what I'm saying? I need to get right with Jesus. Because I'm in love with a black woman. Okay. Um, so is Moses. Somebody say amen. All right. So is it against the word of God? I hope not. No. Um, it does not know. These, this is, this, I appreciate you asking this, but here's, here's, here's a tough question here. What if you're in an interracial, interracial relationship, but the family or one of the families is flat out racist? What do you do with that? We personally didn't experience that flat out racism. I believe there's a little bit of ignorance here and there. Um, and I think we're scared to say we're ignorant. And we have to just be honest at times. Any bubble anybody grows up in, that comes with ignorance. That's why it's called a bubble, because you don't know what's outside of that thing. You step outside of that, you don't know how to act. <laughs> somebody say amen. And so anyway, um, what do you do? If you're in, a, in a, you're in love with somebody and there's like racial issues. Well, that's a, that's a real conversation. Yeah. Like that's grown up talk that you have with the significant other. Is this something that um, you want to deal with? Because uh, once you make that choice, you will be dealing with that for the rest of your marriage. Um, and that's a decision. There will come, there will always be moments in that marriage where a choice will have to be made. Because someone is going to be protecting someone on a regular. And if that someone is not able to hold up under the constant attack, the constant um, weight of being disliked or misunderstood, um, then it's not worth it. I know that's a hard thing to hear. But some people can make this decision and say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna be the change in this family and we're gonna show them that this is, this is God's will and this is the way to go. But not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants to do that. Like we had to have um, talks about it. I had so cousins one of your cousins ask one of your me. Cousins, we ain't gonna say what his name is. He might be I had one of my cousins ask me, they're say? like, you sure you wanna marry somebody white? And I was like, well, um, yes. You actually had to think about it? Like, <laughs> no, I had to, t like, it was a legit question. It was, because yeah. there, are, yeah, there are things that arise in a relationship. We're talking about completely different cultural backgrounds here where we might view, we might raise, raise our children differently. Yes. We might have certain um, things that we do that are different. We've discovered those things in yes, marriage yes. where I have to help him out a little bit <laughs> with some things. But it was a, a real question, and I had to really think about it and think about, um, am I willing? Thankfully, he, he had been immersed in some black culture, so there wasn't um, a lot I had to teach him. But there are times where you have to make that decision. Am I willing to teach him some things? Right. Am I willing to learn some things? in this relationship. And if those are questions you can't say yes to, then don't do it. You will live the rest of your life frustrated, um, feeling inadequate, um, and nobody wants to live like that. If you have a choice, don't do it. But if the two of you are in this thing together and you're willing to make those decisions, willing to say, I'm willing to do this work. There, there are certain things that 
if I'm fighting for him to understand or empathize with why I feel a certain way because I've been treated a certain way because someone spoke to me a certain way and he just I'm explaining to him and he just can't get it he's just not understanding he's just not um, in that place where he's listening and I think about it and I'm like I don't want to do that for the rest of my life I want to be with someone who is able to empathize and learn and learn and or if this is if an interracial relationship where a family is racist and you know that in this dynamic um, it's gonna crush you this isn't something that you guys are willing to battle together and to face some hard truths together about whoever's family it is um, then I would not recommend that you enter into a relationship because it will be challenging it will be hard because um, racism is not a it's a it's not like someone just one day chooses to be a racist this is something that is developed in people that's a way of thinking it's a perspective and if someone is not willing to learn and change that thinking and perspective it's just you will be talking until you're blue in the face but if you guys are on the same page yeah. and you're down to do this thing and you're, and you're, you're committed like that this goes to any issue in marriage speak to marriages in general or those that are interested in somebody or you know if you you gotta just like jesus said you gotta sit down and count the cost count that cost Mm -hmm. and if you're willing to do this thing do this thing and and love each other through it and as a result of that change can happen in your family you can be the very change just like we said break the pattern and you you can. can do it but i love the seriousness of my wife's input here you know evaluate that and understand that there are you know because you can be in love with somebody um, but there's still, there could be a lot to learn, you know, culturally, um, when it's interracial, as the question was. Um, so here we go. Next question. going to kind of switch subjects. Abortion has become such a common and even celebrated choice in this culture. As Christians, what is a godly perspective on this issue? I'm going to read it again. Um, abortion has become such a common and even even celebrated choice in this culture as Christians what is a godly perspective on this issue Um, I'll share quickly and then I'll let my wife jump in that as believers we believe that God is the giver of life so we honor life amen I know there are women in this room that in their past they've had an abortion and so this is where it gets where it gets to be a serious thing because of their own process of walking through something like that and their own struggle with that and so we believe according to the word of God that abortion in itself is not of God because when you look at it from through the lens of the scriptures that that's something is that is sacred life itself and we we don't touch that by choice okay but i get it that okay theologically there it is right uh it gets it gets sticky along the way it's highly politicized that's not our focus here um and there are different situations and all that, and there's complexity and all that. But from the onset, theologically in good conscience, we are 
we, we don't touch life. Can I say that? As a Christian community. This is where I feel the church hasn't done her best job. Is because we will take that truth to the marketplace. And we'll do like the Pharisees did to the woman that committed adultery. And says so she was caught in the very act. This is wrong. And so they take the law to the marketplace. And nowhere, that is not the gospel to take the law to people that don't even know Jesus. And so, so that is where I believe we're missing it as a church because those are people and they're hurting. And how do we love them and yet understand and know what is wrong? There are certain things that I just, um, my kids are at a certain level of understanding like, I don't sit here and have theological discourse with my four-year-old. Well, actually, sometimes I do, hoping he'll just catch it in the spirit. <laughs> but there, there's an approach, I feel, that the Christian world has jumped on a political bandwagon, and that approach is not Christ. Because nowhere in Scripture, when people were caught in the act of sin, did Jesus go, you're right, kill him. Stone them, expose them, shame them. Never, never. He always said, oh, y'all want to throw stone? How about this? <laughs> they all walked, dropped stones and walked away backwards. Jesus said, did they condemn you? No, I don't either. Go and sin no more. He never compromised the standard of holiness, the standard of the word of God, but he never condemned them. The person in the process Sorry, I'm preaching here on this question. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> good. Um, I think, and to jump on that, we need to learn to separate the issue from the person. That's the point. Say it again. And Say it again. We need to learn to separate the issue from the person. Say it again, All woman right. of God. I think person. everybody got that. <laughs> there we go. Something. Separate the issue from the person. Um, we talked about fundamentally what we believe. This is what we believe. But when you're looking somebody in the face who's had to deal with this and has made a choice like this, it's a completely different conversation when you know somebody who's had to walk through that process. You will never know why people make the choices they make and how desperate they are in a situation that they feel like this is their only option. And for us, the church, Christ followers, Jesus representatives, to not be the love of Jesus to people is wrong. We talked about this last week. The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. You can hang all the other laws on these two. Those two. And if loving your neighbor um, to you means that you expose and talk about everything they're doing wrong, um, you need to have a conversation with Jesus. Because Jesus never did that. He would, like he said, he never compromised about what was right and wrong about sin. He never did. But he always led with love. And it's so important. The person is not the issue. There's an issue here. And we all agree on the fundamentals of this issue. But when you start plugging people in there 
and you start, when you are in relationship with somebody um, who's walking through some processes here, um, you're not trying to expose them to the world. You're not trying to nail their sin to the wall so everybody can see it and have an opinion about it. And I think what's important here is that as Christians, we have to remember that what we're saying, how we approach things, how we deal with people, um, is a reflection of Jesus. And if you're not being Jesus to people, um, if they're not seeing Jesus in the way you interact with them, the way you speak to them, the way you treat them, then that's there's something you gotta work out there. If people walk away from you and they feel condemned, there's a problem. If people walk away from you and don't understand that, um, yeah, I have a standard by, by which I live my life. This is how I live my life. But I will love you. I will be there for you. I will challenge you. I will encourage you. If you are not being that person to people, then I would challenge you to have some, some, do some internal work. Let the Holy Spirit highlight some things in your heart because the issue is not the person. The person is not the issue. It's an issue. And then you have people who are in the middle of it that are trying to navigate their way through it and we're supposed to have the answer. We're supposed to be the love. We're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be the salt. And if we're not shining bright, if we're not salty in a good way, yeah, salty. Where we bring flavor. I'm not talking about salty, like shady salty. I'm talking about salty flavor, salty. Um, then we need a little more salt yeah. from Jesus. That's Pour good. it out, Holy Spirit. Yes. Show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to be more loving. Show me where and how I can be like Jesus to people and not filter things through my own um, zeal for what's right and for what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about things nothing but the moment we lose sight of the people in the middle of our passion we've gone a little off course here because it's always about people jesus came here to seek and to save the lost that is that is what we're about to to seek and to save the lost and it's not fair it's not fair to hold people who don't know jesus to the same standard that we live our lives by they don't know him they don't know how we live our lives. So how can we hold them to a standard that they don't even know about? It's not fair and it's not right. And as a church, our job is to love people. Love them and let them see truth and life through the way we love. It's right. good. Love people and how about instead of voicing the standard on people that don't even understand it how about live the standard yeah yeah you know and and voice the love of god for them how about if we just let them see your good works if it's all about good works for you how about you just let them see you how you roll let them see that if you even look at this prophetically those religious people were picking up stones and last time i checked prior to christ coming word of God was written on stone and you may not have a re, uh, an actual stone in your hand but you can pick up this word crumple it up and you could throw it like a stone and kill people with it and if that word is not something you're using to to heal and to bring life and you're taking that word like it's a stone against people you're missing it church 
And we're not talking about compromise, never compromise. And I know sometimes it's a fine line for people to separate those things in their minds. Um, but Jesus is the example. Follow what he did. He said, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn, but he said, go and sin no more. Here we go. Next question. We got a couple more. How do we as believers walk through a situation when a child in our lives identifies as the opposite sex? It's another tough question. Somebody say God, race, and culture. Say that. Here's another one along those lines. I'll let my wife answer this and we'll jump into this. Are you guys getting something out of this? Um, can individuals who identify with the LGBT, I know that acronym's a little longer nowadays, community, we're just submitting, we're asking it literally how it was submitted to us. Can individuals who identify with the LGBT community be active members at church and serve in ministry? So this is a cultural thing that's happening as of, um, I would say as of late. I've been saved since the 90s. I know this was out in culture, but now it's a more prevalent I'll explain my own process um, in church and my coming up in church um, that, um, like I said before, from a biblical viewpoint, um, sin is sin. So I'm going to say this. Sex outside of marriage is what you would call uh, fornication. That's a biblical word. Uh, and that basically means having sex outside the covenant of marriage. That is a sin. Somebody say amen. Yeah, quiet. It's, quiet. <laughs> it's okay. Check it out. Um, I'm just going to identify some sins that are obvious. Adultery is when you're married and you have sex with somebody else. Adultery simply means to, to basically um, mix, bring somebody into a holy covenant that doesn't belong there. That adultery is a sin. Everybody say it's a sin. Bible says... Um, that sex or a relationship like that with the same sex, it's a sin. It's no greater a sin than fornication or adultery. It's no greater a sin than pornography, but it is a sin. All right? Jesus said, you don't even have to have sex to be in sexual sin. He says, if you look at a woman to lust for her, you've committed sin. You've committed adultery with her in your heart. So that is a sin. The, the meditation of it, pornography will bring you into sin. These are all sins. So in the context of the scripture of what sin is, these are sin. So then once again, now we're dealing with a person, okay? Now we're dealing with a person. My heart and prayer is that people from every cultural background or involvement or, or sin find their home here. And whatever their process is, that they find their home here in Christ and in here. You know, that is where the journey begins. But sin is sin. And this is what I was going to say. In my growing up in the 90s in church, um, when I got saved as a teenager, the church world back then, in my experience, they, the homosexual is a lot bigger of a sin from a church cultural viewpoint. Homosexuality was than fornication or adultery. We, we, we religiously didn't treat those people the same as we would if our homeboy got caught with some girl. We were like, oh, you know, we, we would say, hey, man, you need to come out of that. But there, there, was, there was arm length with the homosexual uh, community in church. You, you have to get right before you come in here. You, you, have to, you have to be like Jesus before you step in here. 
But we, but we had a little bit more grace with more culturally acceptable sin. Sin is still sin. But I believe we as a church, I'm talking to the church, the church in this day is, is, is sin is sin as written in scripture. Just like I said, them all, I said the ones that may kind of be in the same kind of environment of sin, if you were to call it sexual sin, it's still sin, but I want people up in our church. I don't care if they're a gang member. I don't care if they come out of a homosexual environment. I don't care if they come out of an adulterous environment. I don't care if they come out of a gossiping environment. Up in church, hearing the word of God. First year I was in church, I was smoking weed in the parking lot. I would not be preaching up here. Now, my pastors weren't like, hey, bro, let me get a hit of that. (laughs) They weren't compromising, but they were like, keep coming, Sean. (laughs) that's how I mean look at look at don't don't be so hard on people because your pastor's one of them was one of them I'm telling you right now in church man I struggle with pornography most of my young adult life in church it was a it, it had me it was a vice. I'd have moments of freedom, time of freedom. I'd come out of an environment where I was sexually molested and abused. And so that just, I mean, that, I mean, that thing was just, had a stronghold in me as a young man. I, I have been delivered. There is freedom from that. But I'm so thankful. Come on, yeah. I'm so thankful that I found myself around Christian leaders that said, come on, don't, they didn't judge me. They journeyed with me. I would not be your pastor today if there weren't people around me that said, bro, you got to get this right, but come on, just keep coming. Just keep coming. I remember calling my, one of my men, one of the people that initially brought me to the Lord and getting me in church. I'd call him the day after. I took a bong hit. Man, I, oops, I did it again. But they're like, oh man, just, you know, keep coming. We want that kind of church. We love them. We're not compromising. We aren't saying sin is okay, but, but I think it's, it's our religious way of, of not compromising is total separation from anybody that has a questionable lifestyle. And, and that, that is not what Jesus did. The goal is freedom and salvation in Christ. But I'm here to tell you, it's a journey for everybody. And many times, just because you're on the fast track and, and you, and you got, don't have any issues and you, you ain't struggling with nothing, well, well, maybe you need to just help some. Join the prayer team. How about you just give somebody that holy impartation you got? Because, look, I don't ever want to be in an environment where church is a bunch of do-gooders and ain't nobody sketchy in here at all. That is not the church make sure you don't leave your purse at your seat when you leave the room. I'm not saying, ooh, this is unsafe. I'm just saying I don't want it. Cushy, safe, suburban weirdness. Not that being... My choice. Sorry for my... If you live in the suburbs, I love you. It's nothing about... You're accepted here. But hear me what I'm saying. When we talk about the church and the cross and the blood of Jesus, the, the cross is at the door. The altar is at the door and let them come. 
let them come. To whomever wills, let them come. Compel them to come in. Broke, busted, disgusted, rich, poor, black, white, everybody. And so the approach towards this, but it's, this is a good question. Did you want to answer? Did I? Well, um... as far as serving, okay, I'm going to break this down. Um, we, we don't, we as a community, we don't have like official membership. Like, you know, sign the dotted line, make sure you tithe, you're a member now. Okay. You're, you're a member because we don't feel, and this is maybe a theological approach. We don't feel that we have control over your membership in the kingdom of God. You can call this church. This church is your home when you say it's your home. Okay. Now to serve, that's a different level. Yes, we have those conversations. I had a conversation with a, with a lady the other day about serving. I said, you know what? I think just based on what you're walking through right now, why don't you just keep coming to church? Because serving and being on the platform and doing what we do, it comes with weight. And I don't want it to break you. And so not everybody in this room is ready to serve. And that's okay. You keep coming. The temple was made up of three environments. The outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. Look at serving like that's the holy of holies. And sometimes it's a process to get there. there, there but for, to say that somebody, because of their sin, can't come to this church and call this church their home, I don't have that right or authority. If they cause a problem here and they cause division here, that's when leadership steps in and says, look, you need to stop that or we will not let you in here. Amen? And so, so but serving is a different level. You go through growth track. We sit down, we talk, we engage. But if there, we wouldn't want you to serve if your lifestyle doesn't match the standard required to serve. Amen? So there is a difference. And that applies to any person. Yeah. Okay, we're almost done, guys. You guys all right? Did we get too real for you? <laughs> no, that was good. I don't know that you answered the question, though. Okay. How do we as believers walk through a situation? When okay, that first. I answered child, the second yeah, one. Yeah, you answered the second one. When a child in our lives identifies as the opposite sex. Yes. Um, I think the key words here are um, the child identifies as. And um, we talked about identity last week. We talked about the importance of identity. And um, it's a child you're dealing with. And as Christians, as believers, our responsibility for children, um, and we will say this of our own children, we're walking through life with them. They're not going to get everything perfect. They're not always going to make the right choices, make the right decisions. Um, but we identify with them where they are in their lives. And we be that constant representation of who Jesus is to them. Um, if you are the only truth, if you are the only person who represents um, Christ in their lives and you can't get past the fact that they're walking through a process in their own lives whether you agree with it or disagree with it um, they might not ever see that light if not for you there might not be anybody else in their lives who can express the love of Jesus show them the love of Jesus teach them about Jesus and if you're so hung up on what they identify with, that could be a missed opportunity for that child. I'm not saying that, that 
you're okay with it. That's, that's hard, depending on where you are in your life and, and who this child is to you. Um, but you might be that only light for them. And I wanna challenge you to remember that um, we were all in a place where we misidentified, where we identified with the wrong thing or the wrong people or the wrong truth. So who are we to sit in this place and not love on that child like they need to be loved? They're obviously looking. They're, 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 they're trying to figure things out. They're a child. Kids, we know kids don't know everything. Like you don't know anything until you what? Until you're like over 30. And then, you're, and then you really feel like. <laughs> and then you, you feel, feel like, like you know stuff, but no, you really no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a child. Love them. Show them who Jesus is by loving them. Teach them the word of God. His children are impressionable. That's one area of their life, but I guarantee you, children remember things you say to them. They are watching you. And if you have enough influence over this child to have access to them, to pray over them, to teach them, to love them, you do that to the best of your ability. You do that under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you as you love on this child because they will remember what you imparted to them. They will remember the love that you gave them and they will associate it with Jesus. And I, I just, I mean, it's, I understand it's a, hard, it's a hard thing sometimes for people to separate the issue from the people. But when these people are in your life, it's a whole different ball game because you love this person and you will do anything for this person. So love them. Show them. Be Jesus to them. Be that voice to them. Be that light to them that they might not ever see again if not for you. Make that imprint on their lives so they never forget they never forget. You can all think of teachers who've had influence over you. I can think of teachers from, from kindergarten through college who impacted my life. People, just not even just teachers, just people in my life. Be that person to people who struggle, to a child who's trying to figure life out. Be that person, be that solid anchor for them so they know that when they have questions, when they're misunderstood, when they don't know what decisions to make, they come to you. They come and ask you, they remember, oh, this person has always cared for me regardless. And remember, we're not talking about compromise, we're talking about leading with love. Because when you lead with love, you always win. Love always wins. It never fails. So Bible says love never fails. Don't be that clanging symbol to people. They're not gonna hear your love if you're talking so loudly about what they're doing wrong. They're not gonna hear you. Love them, because love gives access. You love people enough, they'll give you access to their lives. And then it's not gonna be this constant 
fight of, oh, I have to tell them this. They need to know this. Well, you be love, be truth to them. They'll see it. All of us see it. You see it in people. Like, why would you think that someone who, who is living their lives is not seeing in you what you see in them? You think, we think we see everything. We think as Christians, we have the perfect lens. We have the right lens. We have the only lens. There's a world full of people who are hurting. And the lens we need to see them through is, is the lens of love and being representatives of Christ and of heaven. Um, I want them to associate the beauty of heaven with experiences they have with me. I want them to experience the beauty of God and of Jesus in their interactions with me. That's what they will remember more than anything you ever say. People will remember how you make them feel more than anything you ever say. So I just want to, as we close, um, just to encourage you, I hope, um, I know there were some questions we didn't get to, um, that all, that's always the case in these types of conversations because you want to delve deeper um, into some of these, but I hope that there was something that you were able to grab from here um, that you can take away from here um, to help you live life better and um, and to remember to keep that your lens clean. Remember that sometimes it gets a little fogged up or clogged up with, with our own ways of thinking. We sometimes default into, into our own opinions and our own thoughts. Um, but we have to remember that we have a responsibility to think the way the Word of God says, to live the way the Word of God says, speak the way the Word of God says, and... Um, People will be attracted to that in this culture. They might not always know what it is, but they'll know that there's something different about this person, and I want to be closer to this person. So let's just stand to our feet here. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.